Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. up everybody welcome to comic book club i'm alex i'm pete and we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet we are live on facebook we're live on youtube we're live on twitch we're live on twitter maybe you're listening later on spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts we are happy to have you here one person we're not happy to not have here is justin did i say that right yeah i think so i think uh we get what you mean (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Justin won't be here. He's off on a job. I, I think he's uh, breaking the strike. Is that what he's doing? Yeah, he's going to the strike and he's going to wrestle people who think it's a bad yeah. idea. To be clear, he absolutely isn't. I really don't want to get him in trouble at all. Uh, he to be is, fair. To be fair. Uh, yes, he is WGA and he is SAG. Uh, and we support both the WGA and the SAG in their current strike. 100% unequivocally. And he, he is a Hollywood elite as well. Yes, he's a Hollywood elite uh but he he is uh doing other jobs in the meantime um so we'll miss him yeah uh, he has but... other talents other than acting you know what I yes mean? he's he's a line cook he's a line producer mm-hmm. he, he does uh, lines for yeah he lines up he gets his children paid... for photos oh i was saying he gets paid to snort coke oh yeah yeah, yeah which is an amazing too. job yeah that is an incredible job you wouldn't think people could get paid to do that but... those hollywood elite got jobs for everything I know. they're like yeah. i don't have time to snort my own coke you gotta snort <laughs> the coke for me <laughs> anyway uh we, we anyway great, that's a fun we, way to start the show yes uh it sure we have a great show for you we have a great guest so we are going to bring him in right now he's the author of father and son issues the secret history of spider-man as well as your worshipfulness starring carrie fisher as princess leda ladies and gentlemen jeff ryan hello hey guys how are you doing all right uh welcome to the show excited to talk about these books so you just uh, well, not just a couple of months ago, right? Held Kickstarters for these books. Yes, I did uh, a two-part thing, which was just extraordinarily dumb in retrospect, which is that <laughs> I got off social media and then I had a Kickstarter. Mm. Oh, wow. What an order. Not usually the way that you do that. Not usually. No. The, you usually want to use no. the social media to promote the Kickstarter. Help yes, but I never had many people following me on social media. I'm much better in person like this. This counts as in person closer to, does mm. it? Yeah, well, I mean, we're, uh, we're I not in so. the same room. We're looking at each other's faces. That's that's enough to me. That Jeff, counts. That counts for something. We're in the same room as you right now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Ah, oh, behind me. From uh, well, let's, the house. Uh, let's talk about these books anyway, though. Uh, first one, Father and Son Issues, The Secret History of Spider-Man. So this is, uh, I'll admit, when I first heard the title, I was a little Ooh. confused because I don't think you normally associate by Peter Parker's father with him. You think about his uncle, right? But that's right. not exactly what you're talking about here. You're talking about one of the creators or one of the main creators behind Spider-Man. So why don't you give folks the pitch of the book? Exactly. So uh, in 1965 or so, the two co-creators of Spider-Man, Steve Ditko and 
Stanley have a falling out, a falling out over money. They were supposed to share all of the revenues that Marvel was going to kick into them when Spider-Man became a hit. Spider-Man became a hit and Marvel crossed its arms and said, no, we own Spider-Man. What are you going to do about it? Walk. And so Steve Ditko does. He walks away and he never draws Spider-Man again. And he lives for another 50 years and draws comics for 50 years. Stanley shrugs and says, ah, well, what are you going to do? And continues to work at Marvel. Someone needs to step in and become the uncle for Spider-Man, the Uncle Ben, as it were. And that person is John Romita, who was at the time the greatest comics artist no one had ever heard of. And John's Spider-Man becomes the definitive Spider-Man. If you think of a classic Spider-Man story as, I've got to stop the rhino, but I've got to get to class on time, but I've got to talk to Aunt May, but I've got to go to a girlfriend, and he can't do them all at the same time, and he drops to Peter Parker's side of his life to save everyone else, that is the classic John Romita Spider-Man story. Yeah. Uh, well, what's what's in your mind? I mean, I, I think we can figure this out based on the way that you're talking about it. But what is the fascination with him as a character and making him the main character in your book in particular? I love that he was the, the workhorse. He was the guy behind the scenes who was never too flashy. And one of the reasons why he's not more celebrated was because he was always so incredibly humble. He would always uh, compliment other people. I could have made this book twice as long if I just included all the compliments he had to his inkers. Because if anyone said anything good about his page, it goes, oh, well, you know, uh, when you have Mickey Demo doing the, the inks, it's going to look great. Yeah. Uh, well, tell me a little bit about where you're sourcing this stuff from. Are you doing original interviews? Are you sourcing it from other interviews? How'd you put the book together? Ah, some of the interviews I did were with uh, current Spider-Man artists and writers. Some of it was with John Romita Jr., who is John Romita Sr.'s son, as you can probably guess, but is also the premier Spider-Man artist of his generation. And a lot of it was a fantastic series of archived interviews from the 1970s that he did, I believe, while he was writing and drawing and inking Spider-Man comic strips. Hmm. Uh, so what did you learn during the course of making the book? What was, uh, I'm sure you had a lot of big takeaways, but what's one big takeaway, something that you weren't expecting to find out about John Romita? Uh, I didn't know that he had his art stolen from uh, by so many people. Roy Lichtenstein, the who did the famous crying girl drawing, that is a John Romita drawing that he stole. Uh, wow. If you ever watch a Night at the Museum movie with the crying girl statue that comes or the the picture that comes alive, that's John's version of crying girl that Roy Lichtenstein stole, and he's made millions from it, and John hasn't made a dime. Hmm. Kind of a classic uh, tale. Uh, I'll also ask, I mean, you know, uh, like I said at the beginning, I was expecting one thing given the Spider-Man history, but once I found out it was about John Romita, and you mentioned John Romita Jr., there's certainly an implication there when you're talking about father-son issues. Do you talk about John Romita and John Romita Jr.'s relationship at all in this book? I do, yes. That is a big portion of the story. In fact, I read a novelistic writing advice that said that the two best things you can do if you have a main character is to make your main character's dreams come true and then to have their worst nightmare happen. <laughs> and both of these things happened in John's book in quick succession, one of which is that after eight years of working at DC drawing romance comics with not a punch thrown, he finally lands at Marvel and gets to draw Daredevil and do action-adventure superhero stuff, which he always wanted to do. So that's the dream come true. Then the nightmare is that his son wants to follow in his footsteps. He's like, no, no, this was fine for me. This was my dream. But you were going to work in an ad agency. You're going to do nine to five. You're going to actually 
work five days instead of seven. You're going to get paid instead of like getting paid half as much as you should. The last thing I want you to do is follow in my footsteps and go into comics because comics doesn't love you back. Mm. Uh, now, you, before we move on to the Carrie Fisher book, there is one thing that I wanted to show off to you here. So we have a professional chef, and this is true, named Brett Macris, who, fan of the show, friend Stray of the bullets. show, Stray Bullies, Stray Bullet. Uh, and every week he either curates or designs a drink for the show based on your Spider-Man book. He created a drink called the Radioactive Spider Bite. Oh, that's Ooh. amazing. Yeah, wow. Super tiny here. So hold on one second. I'm going to bring up a large version so I can read it. Uh, but it has tequila, Aperol, ginger liqueur, orange liqueur, orange bitters, lime, and Urfa chili or sub chili powder. And so basically you have uh, a little bit of a, a snap of a spider bite from there, just like Spider-Man got. Um, I did not have the ingredients to make one tonight, full disclosure, but it sounds delicious, and all of his stuff is delicious. So there you go. This sounds like the sort of drink where you you take a sip and then you go, Whoa. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but the good woof, the good woof, yes, to be clear, absolutely. Um, let's talk about the other book though. You also did a book about Carrie Fisher. Uh, same sort of question for you, in terms of putting together quotes putting together the story of Carrie Fisher um, based on what I read about this this seems to focus on a younger Carrie Fisher right the first hundred pages are all about her involvement with Star Wars so okay. yes I tried to tell the whole story of Star Wars through her eyes so the the uh, downside for me was that I learned so much about Star Wars that's not in this book because it's it's just general Star Wars trivia and I needed to stay dedicated to just Carrie's involvement in this so you will uh, go through put on her buns and wander through all three books as she mm -hmm. creates the character of Leia. And the character of Leia should not really work. She's on screen for 13 minutes in the first book. And she has she's like a senator, warrior, princess, diplomat. Uh, very recently, George Lucas said, oh, yeah, she uh, has her PhD also. When she was 19, she got it at 19. It's like, you can't keep on putting accomplishments on a teenage girl by saying she's like this little Miss Perfect. And then all she does is get kidnapped. So this should not work as a story, but Carrie made it work. Hmm. Uh, why do you think that is? What I mean, I think we all kind of know that, know it, but I'm curious to hear from you. Why do you think it specifically worked because of Carrie Fisher? My guess is that she felt woefully unprepared. Imagine if your first day on set, you need to act a scene against uh, a great, a titan in the British acting industry, someone like the guy playing uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. And you like you freeze up you start to do his accent accidentally and he calls you by the wrong name he says leah instead of leia so you're like oh this is a disaster i just need to pretend that i know what i'm doing just pretend i know what i'm doing and that i've got a, a spine of iron and that's what she did the whole show it's just pretending that you know what you're doing mm -hmm. and that is leia in a nutshell it's and that i think advice. is yes it's good life advice too yeah. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. That's the concept of our show. Yeah. The uh, Versus the Spider-Man book, which, mind you, lots of stuff has been obviously done about Spider-Man, but I think that has a very specific focus. Not a lot has been extensively written about John Romita in exactly the same way. There's been so much put out there about Star Wars. You have books. You have documentaries. You have DVD extras. So how do you, as a writer, how do you find what you consider a new angle on Star Wars, and in particular the subject of Carrie Fisher? 
I didn't go at it from a Star Wars point of view. Mm-hmm. My first idea was uh, I've I've written books about Super Mario and Mickey Mouse in the past, and then one on Spider Man. So I've written a lot about fictional characters and their relationship with creators. But I, uh, but between Spider Man and Mickey Mouse and Super Mario, there are there aren't any like actors who you think of first and foremost. Spider-Man has three of them, so that kind of splits the the mental vote. But I wanted a character associated with one actor, where the character was bigger than the actor, and and most of the time you think of, oh, someone from a sitcom, like from an 80s or 90s sitcom. But that seems unfair to the actor, because the actor normally just didn't get many chances. You know, how, however great George Wendt is for the last 30 years, people are just going to say, Norm, whenever they see him. I'm sure the man has, has done 10,000 things, and, but we don't care, because it's just Norm. So I wanted a relationship like that, but someone who had actually done an extraordinary number of things. And falling into uh, Carrie Fisher's story, which has a beginning, middle, and end, unfortunately, was uh, was a way of me also getting to write about Star Wars, but also telling a story about the, the creation bigger than the creator. Yeah. Cool. Um, you're hey, also... You, oh, go ahead, Pete. I was going to say, you had mentioned you had found out a lot of Star Wars trivia along the way. I'd love to know some of the stuff you were talking about that you didn't make it into the book. Oh, the stuff that gets cut out. Uh, so much of it was about industrial light and magic. I'm a, a big visual effects nerd. Oh, I, ju- cool. I just want to know every little thing, like uh, they, they put a potato uh, floating around somewhere in Empire Strikes Back in the debris field, and then they put a shoe in Return of the Jedi during one of the, the sky battles. <laughs> and I didn't put that stuff in. So there's a potato in Empire. There's a shoe in Jedi. <laughs> the potato. You heard it here Luke's, first. The potato is Luke's father. You. That's a big spoiler. I don't know if you've seen the third movie. Are you making a Darth Tater reference? Oh, <laughs> oh wow. He's right up there. You can't. You are it. making a Darth Tater reference. Yeah, I mean, I was not, but I have. Darth he Tater does have one. Show, so yeah. Solid pull. <laughs> <laughs> Um, these are, these are independently produced, right? You're putting them out through Kickstarter. You're putting them together yourself. Um, what, what's involved in the rights when you're doing something like that? Like, do you, do you need to check with Marvel? Do you need to check with Lucasfilm? Um, I assume it doesn't go onto parody laws because they're not a parody or anything like that, but how does that work out legally? Well, in, under general fair use, if you, you're allowed to write an article about someone, and this is just a very long article, and uh, I am including some snippets of John Romita's art, the original pencils, whenever I could get them. But uh, in that case, I'm using a, a small version of a single frame, which is so far removed from the finished inked, colored, and lettered full page of, of one of 22 sequential Spider-Man art pages that no one is going to look at a little bit of a close-up and say, oh, this is the same thing as reading a Marvel comic. I've got my fill, so I don't need to buy, uh, I don't need to buy the new Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, and for uh, the Carrie Fisher book, you only printed like tiny little bits of the Star Wars script, right? Just like the corner <laughs> of pages. So. Yeah, it's only every third word of the scroll. Oh, there you go. Nice. Pretty much makes the same amount of sense. <laughs> Hey, shots fired at the scroll. Come on. Okay, okay. Do you know who wrote the scroll? Uh, No, who wrote the scroll? Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma wrote the original scroll. Uh, George Lucas had a test screening for Steven Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola and Brian De Palma. And Coppola was like, oh, man, this is a mess. And uh, Spielberg was the only one who said, oh, I believe you. 
I, you've got something here. It is a little bit of a mess, but you're going to get it there. In fact, I'm going to give you a point on, uh, on the movie he was making, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, in exchange for a point of Star Wars, because he said, I'm going to make more money off of this. Mm-hmm. And he did. He's made millions of dollars just off of that point of Star Wars that he traded. Wow, that's amazing. That also definitely explains somehow Palpatine has returned in the most recent movie, uh, just in terms of being a weird twist. Classic Brian De Palma. Uh, he wrote all of them, right? That's what we're establishing here. Yeah, yes, and they're they're all part of the De Palma universe, where there's a the main character who is is a helpless observer as he watches a terrible act of murder and then tries to uh, fix it after the fact. Yes. Uh, so you have these two books out. They are successful uh, and out there now. Um, what else is on the docket? What are you looking to tackle next in terms of a subject? Or are you not ready to talk about that yet? Uh, uh, it's a little complicated, but it's uh, it's about history. Uh, okay, the Statue of Liberty, the, you know, this, right. this oh, yeah, lady. Familiar. You've heard yeah. of her. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she was sometimes called Columbia, like Columbia is in the District of Columbia. So I'm writing a book about Columbia, the female personification of America. Oh, cool. Interesting. And I assume tying in like Columbia pictures and things like that as well. Yes, there are uh, Columbia's all over the place. Columbia oh, sure. University. Uh, I, none of us Ohio. went there, I don't think. Columbia, Ohio. There's a, that's Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> There's a Columbia in South Carolina. Yeah, and Columbo, yeah. the detective. Was Columbo, was also was Columbia. just one more thing. Yeah, <laughs> and the former, uh, the yogurt, Columbo yogurt. <laughs> and uh, if you ever watch something on CBS, that's a Columbia Broadcast Company. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Uh, well, that's very cool. Uh, before we let you go, though, what? Just talking about these two things, and I know they're two very different things, but do you keep up with Spider-Man? I assume you keep up with Star Wars, but what are you enjoying right now? What would you recommend people check out? Uh, I'm watching Strange New Worlds right now, the Star Trek show, and it is aces. It is fantastic. And in two weeks, they have a crossover with Lower Decks coming up. And if you guys don't watch, Lower Decks is an animated show, and Strange New World is live action. So just try to imagine how they are crossing over a live action show with an animated show. I'm so looking forward to it. Not to keep calling out my swag, but I'm wearing a Lower Decks hat right now. This is a Cerritos hat. It's almost like you planned all this. I did. We talked for hours. (laughs) My my whole house didn't look anything like this. We planned the whole thing out. Yeah, I've got my own theories about how it's going to work out. I know uh, Beckett Mariner and uh, Broderick Boimler are coming over, and I... I think that may be it. I yeah. I think they're coming on to the Enterprise instead of someone from the Enterprise going to the Cerritos. Well, and the other thing, this is if you really want to get into this, I think the th- thing that's probably going to happen is like they are part of the Star Trek universe. Like they're animated, but it is in continuity, even if it's goofy and ridiculous as it's happening. So we might see them animated, but they're going to have to travel back in time to hang out with the Strange New Worlds folks. So I think once they travel back in time, they'll be live action people. And they're not going to be like, well, we used to be cartoons because in their minds they're not cartoons they're real people who interact with the rest of the star trek universe. are they going to hold up their hands and say my hands look weird <laughs> maybe maybe uh jack Quaid is gonna have the purple hair at the very least so that's gonna be super fun Get yeah me. awesome uh jeff thank you so much for coming on the show yeah, really very excited it, about man. the books congratulations Love on all work. the success 
Um, may the force be with you. There you go. Oh, thank you. And also with you. Oh, can I uh, plug in some more uh, John Romito stuff before we go? Sure, absolutely. Okay. He, uh, he died last month, unfortunately. He was 93 yeah. years old. But he has given so much to popular culture. So he ended up making the kingpin. I'm sure you've heard of him. Oh, he yeah. made up Luke Cage. He made up Bullseye. He made up a character called the Punisher. And he made up a character called Wolverine. There you go. Pete, you know any of those characters? Familiar with all of them, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is a titan and a legend. Uh, it's very cool that you did a book all devoted to him because he deserves it, like you're saying. So there you go. Uh, Jeff, th again, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on everything. Thank you, and I'm going to try one of those uh, spider bites right now. Ooh, I don't yeah. know if I have any bitters in the house, though. All right, that's fine. Just uh, what else is bitter? Like cough drops or something? Just throw some cough Old drops. socks? Yeah, old socks, exactly. Yeah, old socks and vodka. That's that's the same thing, right? Yeah. Oh, hey, I got old socks on right now, actually. That's oh, so my weird. God. This what guy. a weird coincidence. It has to be your own old socks. Drinking someone else's <laughs> old socks is gross. Yeah, that's a no-go. I did that at a bar once and never again. Oh, you're talking about old socks at a bar? I love that place. Uh, downtown? Yeah. Yeah, man. All right, Jeff, we'll leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank okay. you. Have a good night. Talk to you later. All right. Once again, uh, Jeff Ryan, the books you can check out. You can check out a bunch of books from him. The ones we were talking about are Father and Son Issues, The Secret History of Spider-Man, and Your Worshipfulness, starring Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. So there you go. Very cool Great stuff. stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. That's some weird, wild stuff. <laughs> Let's move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. And for audience questions, all you got to do is leave a comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, and we will get to it. Or if you're not watching live of the show, you can hit us up on Twitter. You can email us, comicbookclublive at gmail.com. If you can't make it to the show, happy to read some stuff there. Uh, but Pete... Yes, what are you sir. drinking tonight? Oh, man, I'm having this glorious beer I just found out about. I'm sure it's been around a while, but I just found it. Uh, it's called Lagunitas Daytime. Oh, yeah. man. You've been having it's the Lagunitas Nighttime, which puts you right to sleep, right? Yeah, yeah. And the the daytime, it, you know, it keeps you awake. It, re it really helps your day. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'm looking forward to the morning time one, but it hasn't come out yet. So. Oh, man. you got to make it yourself. you got to make it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really wanted to make the spider bite. I did not have the ingredients for it, so I just made myself... Old fashioned. We had we were gifted a bottle of bourbon and been slowly working my way through it. It's, it's a good, good bottle you. of bourbon. Makes a nice old fashioned. So there you go. There you go. Nice and basic. Okay, we got a couple of questions here, so let's get to those. This is from John Dorsey. Okay, boys, who would be on your short list of creators that didn't work out? Ooh, spicy writer, artist, or penciler, inker, etc. Whatever. Maybe hyped. Maybe not. But it failed. Mentioned maybe one or two instances. Um, mm. We don't usually get this negative, Pete. So yeah. I'm definitely feeling a little iffy here. But how, how about this? People that, rather than people that like totally tag their careers, we could say somebody that just was not the right fit for a title for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. And I'll start with one, and you're going to yell at me about this, but this is top of mind because of what we were just talking about. John Romita Jr. on Superman. That didn't really work for me. I love John Romita Jr. It did not feel the, like the right fit for Superman. And I also think Brian Michael Bendis, not the right fit for Superman either. So maybe that whole team 
Two guys I like. It two guys seems I like, like you stuff. just don't like Superman. It seems like you got a problem with old soupsies. If he has, a, if he wants to do something about it, come find me, bro. Oh, catch me outside, bro. <laughs> catch me outside. Wow. Soups. Yeah, I. Uh, it, that's something that doesn't stick out to me. Like if I see uh, a kind of matchup that I don't like, it won't kind of. I won't hang on to it a little bit. I'm kind of the opposite. Like something that's amazing, I'll hold on to it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I you know I uh, yeah. Well, let me. This is a future one, and I think we mentioned this before. Love both of these guys as well. What's the title that Saladin Ahmed and Aaron Cooter are going on? They're taking over soon at Marvel. Do you remember? No, I don't. I don't know. I, I should look this up before I said this out loud. But they're definitely yeah. a writer and artist that I love. Like, I will legitimately pick up anything Aaron Cooter draws. He is one of my favorite working artists right now. Sure, the um, Coots. But there's something about the mix of those two people that um, I'm iffy on. Like, mm. Saladin Ahmed, granted, has been leaning into some big action-y stuff lately. We've been reading Terror War, which is a lot of fun. And Star Signs also is, like, a big action-y thing. So he's definitely trying different stuff. But a lot of his stuff has been, like, a little headier, a little more thoughtful. And Aaron Cooter is better at the action-y stuff. So we'll see how it gels. I mean, we'll you know, see. sometimes there's that tell. magic that happens. But when I when I heard those two together, I was like, huh, I don't know how that fits, but yeah. we'll see. That's it for you, Pete? Nothing. Yeah, that's all I got. I'm for, I, I, you know, they're, I, I, you know. I don't yeah, no, it's tough. Stuff. We don't like to go negative, uh, but yeah. there you go. And listen, I, I look at it as somebody who hasn't necessarily failed. Clearly, everybody's trying in the comic industry all the time. Nobody is like, yeah voting it in because you can't do that for long oh, yeah. um everybody's working really really hard uh it's just sometimes you miss you know uh you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take that's right i i said that nope kevin says when are we getting the official line of comic book club non-fiction books and what will the first book be about Ooh, great question Ooh, wow. Pete, if you were to rip off our guest jeff ryan and as i did <laughs> of doing nonfiction books uh what would you what would you do what subject would you want to write about who oh man you know what i'd like to write a book about is mm-hmm. um um i would say the uh, kind of like a new york city book about all the kind of creative people who are in the area and do amazing things and on black box theaters that not everybody gets to see but are such a kind of like a moment in time oh. Like mm-hmm. Tina Fey and Rachel Dratch did a two-woman show that was so funny. I wanted them to stop because I was worried. I was laughing so hard I wouldn't be able to catch my breath again. Like mm. you know, there was just like these pockets of amazing things that only a small handful of people got to see. And I feel like a book or something where you can kind of talk about those things after the fact would be a great way to kind of, uh, that's very cool. So yeah. you're saying sort of like a, like a beginnings type thing, like different chapters where it's people doing these smaller things earlier in their career. Is that the yeah, sort of thing? Yeah, maybe. I just think okay. that there are all these like... shopping some stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah. It's just all <laughs> these amazing things going on in New York City that mm-hmm. uh, was, yeah, like the, the start of people's stuff. But even if that... I mean, but even if that was the only... That was the height of what they got to, it was still so amazing. You know, even after the fact that they got so much more famous, it didn't make that show any less funny or any more funny. You know what I mean? Like, it was already so amazing. Yeah. 
Um, I feel like the thing that I've thought about the most just in terms of, well, this is probably the thing that I'm most qualified to write a book about is Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've thought about that. You're in too deep, bro. I am in too deep, but legitimately, if there's anything that I know way too much about at this point, it's probably that. I will say I had, back when I was teaching sketch comedy, I had an outline of a... A book, I think I would call it like How to Write Sketch Comedy for Fun and No Profit or something like that. Nice. Um, but I never did that. And now now I don't think I'd be able to write it because I don't remember half of those things. So oh, and, and plus sketch comedy has moved on. It's not the same thing anymore. So so there you go. That's a sad way of ending that. Let's move on to something <laughs> more positive. Frederica Rosa says, Are you guys watching Barbie, then Oppenheimer, or Oppenheimer, then Barbie? Yeah, I was talking to some friends about this because I feel like, depending the combination, you're changing your life forever, right? Totally. Because if you go, I feel like Barbie into Oppenheimer is kind of like a, a funny into a sad, dark world. But mm-hmm. then you're kind of like a left alone with your thoughts where if you go Oppenheimer into Barbie, uh, you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a better outlook on life. So that's what the way I'm going with it. Yeah. Are you going to are you going to Barbenheimer this oh. weekend? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? You are for real? Mm hmm. Wow. I'm going so, hard, dude. So wait, you're going to do the Oppenheimer into Barbie is your choice? Yep. Wow. All right. Okay. Uh, I've definitely been hearing from folks that you should do Barbie than Oppenheimer, which kind of makes sense to me, just in terms well, of chronologically. Like, I think it makes more sense. Uh, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just so you understand the continuity of both movies together. Of life. Yeah. yeah of course. Uh, no. Just in terms of like starting off with something fun and light that's two and a half hours long and apparently gets very heady and weighty and emotional at points. Yeah. Um, but then going into something that is you're just you're going to cry. Yeah, you're definitely going to cry at Barbie, and then mm-hmm. Oppenheimer is just going to be this visual thing in your face that's sitting on you for three solid hours. So yeah. that's the sort of thing, like, I can understand the idea of doing Oppenheimer and then refreshing yourself potentially with Barbie, but I almost feel like Barbie would probably stick longer if you saw Oppenheimer versus Oppenheimer will get washed away if you see Barbie second. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just theorizing here. Yeah, but I think that's what you want, though, right? Yeah, I feel like if you if Oppenheimer sticks too hard to you, I don't know if you're coming back. <laughs> you're done. Yeah. That could like, be well, it. that was my last movie. Yeah. I the most likely scenario, the which is still a very far off scenario, given having kids and everything, is that I see Barbie this weekend. And that's probably it. Um, but my my oldest who has been off on a trip for the past month, came back. Who's was, 35, right? Who was 35? 35-year-old, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, we were we were driving back, and she was like, um, uh, we had talked about before she left about going to see Barbie, and she's like, oh, I kind of want to see Oppenheimer as well. And I didn't want to be like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see a full frontal ne- sex scene in IMAX with you, kid, plus other reasons, but... <laughs> Wow, that's uh, a lot, man. Parenting is hard. Parenting is hard. I can't Barbenheimer this weekend. Wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll probably see Barbie, um, but I am excited for both of them. 
Um, here we go. Uh, more of a comic book question, though. Do you think Secret Invasion could turn things around to the last two episodes? Yes! Well, Pete, you liked the last episode, right? I did like the last episode. I feel like we're... we're I, I'm really hoping it's going to be this twist and we don't walk away hating Samuel L. Jackson and all the choices that happened during Secret Invasion. So I'm holding out hope that uh, this is we're going to be able to land the ship. I think Samuel Jackson will be fine regardless. We all like him. We're not going to stop liking him or anything like that. Even, even if it is... You Even know. if he murders all the women on the show, <laughs> come on, man. Let's I'm not like... going to dislike Sam Jackson for that. I, I, I hear you, but Nick it's Fury fucked and up. And everybody it's else. really yeah. fucked up. If he does an interview afterwards, he's like, one, I'm breaking the SAG strike to say this, and two, I love killing women, then I will probably have some questions about Sam Jackson, negative questions, just to head in that direction. He's like, Barbie's next. <laughs> <laughs> for Barbie. Oppenheimer, you're safe. He's talking like a wrestling guy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they could probably maybe pull off a big action finale, maybe, you know, because this is one of the, this almost feels like a reversal for me with Marvel, where normally it's like, well, this is really exciting, and then it's two people shooting rays at each other for the last 10 minutes to try to stop a sky portal. Here, I would almost welcome the sky portal. Like, I hope they open a sky portal and it's people shooting stuff at each other because at least that'll feel, I don't know, nice or something. I don't know. We'll see. I, I always want things to be good. I don't want anything to be bad. I don't like watching bad things, you know? Yeah, especially because we're in too deep. We are. We're, there's no going back at this point, Pete. We're in it till we die, and that's not a joke. Uh, okay. No, comic books. You, at which point, at which point are you going to be like, ah, I'm good on comic book movies. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to find that out, I guess. Yeah. Um, ooh, uh, good question from John Dorsey. And I think we could, yeah, this is for me, but we could probably open it to you too, Pete. Uh, Alex, since you're in New York, did you ever run the circuit or put yourself into position to write for SNL? Um, I will say I put together a packet once and I think I mailed it in, but it was like, cold calling when I first moved to SNL and then other than that I didn't really pursue it at all. What about you Pete? Oh yeah I've had a couple uh, near misses with SNL um, the one cool thing I mean it wasn't really cool we were getting taken advantage of but it was still cool was me and another comedy buddy of mine would submit uh, jokes to a writer and he would kind of like either use our stuff or not use our stuff, but we got to submit them. So yeah, um, that was cool. And I, I can't specifically speak for him, but Justin's done a ton of packets for a ton of different things. Um, oh yeah. He's the packet King. He could do anything. I mean, exactly. he's had stuff bought by comedy central. He's, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, he's yeah. yeah. So ask this question again, maybe next week. Yeah. Uh, this is from Stray Bullet. This is a follow-up to the previous discussion. Uh, has Oppenheimer actually helped promote the Barbie movie just because of release dates? I would or say... Or the other way around. It's 100% the other way around. They're both kind 100%. of helping each other. It's this crazy, fun... The fact that they're both out at the same time. They might actually be the same movie, and we're just too dumb <laughs> to notice. No, Barbie, I, I I think maybe there's like a little bit of a lift from the whole Barbenheimer thing, just in terms of maybe it's amped up Barbie, where now they expect it's going to make like $110 million opening weekend, which is bizonkers. But so just in terms of the hype around everything, I think it's that. But 
Barbie is 100% lifting up Oppenheimer. And there's nothing against the movie. There's nothing against Christopher Nolan. I think absent of Barbie, the movie would have probably made 20 to $30 million or something like that, which is still respectable for a three-hour-long adult movie. But it's now expected to make maybe around $50 million. I think that's all from people associating the two of them together. Well, uh, I mean, look what you know, Barbie did for Ken. So Barbie's mm-hmm. just doing this for Oppenheimer. It's just, yeah. she lifts people up. It's, it's an, it's a great trait that Barbie has. Ken is the bomb. And so is Oppenheimer. So there you go. That's right. Ken is the bomb. You know yes. what I mean? We're not and talking about it enough. He does follow up and say, or would just as many people see the Barbie movie regardless. Uh, it's a Barbie movie with an insane stacked all-star cast. People are going to see it. It's going to be the movie in the summer. Yeah, this is from Torres88 with Nathan Fillion coming in as Guy Gardner. I imagine he's not the main Green Lantern we will follow. Who do you think will be the main one and which do you want it to be? Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I I think that would be great. I, I, I would like that. Ryan Reynolds is at the peak of his powers right now. He... It's not his fault that Green Lantern was not a great movie. Uh, if he came back, I think people would love it. Um, first of all, Pete, you look surprised. Did you know Nathan Fillion is playing Guy Gardner? No, I did not know that. So we talked about this. We have Sons of a Gun, our DC podcast. Justin and I talked about this casting a little bit. In case anybody doesn't know, Superman Legacy has done a bunch of different casting. Um, I deleted it in my notes, so I'll just try to remember this offhand. But David Cornsweet is playing Superman. Rachel Brosnahan is going to be Lois Lane. And then they've announced a bunch of other characters, including Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner. Isabella Merced is going to be Hawk Girl. Um, the guy who played Darwin in X-Men First Class that I'm blanking on the name of, I'm sorry, is going to be Mr. Terrific. And Anthony Kerrigan, oh, wow. Noho good. Hank, is going to be Metamorpho. Oh, wow. So great cast across the board. More no-ho Hank, please. All the time. Um, Just to mention about this, James Gunn actually explained what it is. So Nathan Fillion will be Guy Gardner in Superman Legacy. He will continue to play Guy Gardner whenever Guy Gardner is used and anything else. But they are working on a Green Lantern show for HBO or potentially for Max or both. We don't know. And that's going to focus on Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. But... If Guy Gardner showed up, it would be Nathan Fillion in the show. So there you mm-hmm. go. But I bet you would want uh, Far Sector Green Lantern, right? Oh, Pete? please. That's the best Green Lantern there is. Yeah. There you go. Um, okay, we got one last. Oh, Edie Gathegi. Thank you, Kevin. That is who is playing Mr. Terrific. Kevin. I mean, that guy. Last one we got here. This is from Nelson Kelso. Are you guys watching My Adventures with Superman on Max? Thoughts so far? Pete, have you checked this out yet? No. It's delightful. If you are looking for a new Superman cartoon, this is anime inflected, but it's down to, like, Superman has a Sailor Moon-style transformation into his costume at one point, which is very funny. Uh, Jack Quaid plays the voice, who we were just talking about earlier, plays the voice of Superman, um, and it follows Superman, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen as they're all interns at the Daily Planet, so it's, like, very early career with them. It's delightful. Like, it gives me vibes of old Justice League cartoon plus anime plus just, like, Avatar a little bit as well. Wow. Very, very fun. Highly recommend checking it out. It's great stuff. There you go. And that is it for your audience questions. 
And now we are going to move on to trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars to Midtown Comics Online. Uh, or if you really wanted some Long John Silver, we could make that happen as well. Uh, but if you had $25, you should go to the comic book shop. We all know that. So all we need is a first hand up, a volunteer, a hey, I'd love to participate on this. And you can be on any of the YouTubes or wherever you're watching. So, uh, yeah, please just volunteer. Or Alex could play. We could donate to charity if no one's Absolutely. feeling it. Absolutely. We could probably we could donate to a SAG WGA Ooh, support yeah, fund. Yeah. How about that? Okay, do let's do that. If nobody, let's do that. All right, let's do that. Great. There we go. If anybody okay. pops in in the next second or so, we can change it over. But all right, um, I would be happy to do that. Okay, and great. I think I Alex, this one. I think yeah, I Alex, don't overthink it. Okay. All right, that's my advice for you. Okay, today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend, the Iron Sheik. R.I.P. All right, here we go. Please listen to all three options. Before making your selection, Alex. Okay, here we go. Question number one. JT4 and Skybound slash Image are dropping what major character-led comic on October 25th? Is it A, Dracula, B, Count Ducula, or C, Sergeant Slaughter? So I know it's not Count Ducula because they are doing the Count Chocula comic book, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Dracula. I'm gonna say you that. are correct. Wow. Nice. That, that's a book that's not going to suck. Oh, hey, come on. Dad jokes all day. All right, here we go. Question number two. Marvel has announced the death of what major character? Oof. Is it A, Khan. A Moon Knight? Ouch. Okay. B, Look Out Coco, or C, Coco Beware? <laughs> um, huh. Again, I think this is referencing the Count Chocolate comic book that's coming out very soon. Uh, but I'm going to go for Moon Knight. I'm going to say Moon Knight. You are correct. Wow. I was right. heartbroken to find that out. But Oh, man, never coming gonna, back. No, Yeah, but there is going to be a, a Moon Knight, a new Moon Knight emerging. Oh, wow. Kill is, that gonna be, is he going to meet the new Punisher that's going to emerge? Don't throw fucking shit on top of this. All right? It's enough... <laughs> There's enough things going wrong in the world. You don't need to fucking <laughs> pile on. All right, here we go. Last one. Don't get cocky. Okay. Uh, the next cool artistic comic is dropping in November from Omnipress. What is it called? Is it A, Faceless and the Family, mm. B, Mr. Peevely and the Hair Bear Bunch, or C, Miss Elizabeth? Hmm. It's funny. I was going to say Frankenberry, but I think instead I'll go for A again. Is it also? Is it A? It is. Wow. It is, yeah. Faces in the family. I'm really looking forward to it. I saw some samples of the art. It looks really unbelievable. Oh, awesome. Uh, well, cool. We are going to donate that to a fund that is supporting the striking actors and striking writers uh, at SAG and WGA. They're out of the picket lines And we're not right just going to give the money to Justin you know, so no. he can support his family. We're not. Oh, that's that. what I, I already Venmoed him. So oh. That's the fund I was talking about. Uh, no. no, listen, they are out in like 90 degree heat. Yes, they not, are. Not just in LA, like particularly in LA, but also in New York. And they are picketing there. There was a thing that I saw that I think it was on the Universal lot. Like they forced uh, on NBC Universal, they forced them off 
of the sidewalks and people got hit by cars and now they're going to be suing NBC Universal um, because they put people in danger. There's another lot, maybe it was the same lot, but I think it was another lot where they cut all the leaves off of the trees so that there would be no shade when they were picketing, wow. which again, it's somebody was dirty. like, oh, oh, don't get me started on tree law. You can't do that. <laughs> we're going to get you in trouble with the city of Los Angeles. So the studios are making it horrible and like cartoonish super villainy ways support the writers support the actors they are doing the right thing and not just for their industry but for a lot of industries at this point before we wrap up here what comics are you looking forward well to hang on in case you were wondering about oh, my yes, c answers I'm sorry i always forget that uh, it's, it's all right i'm uh, talking about doing that. the 1994 stunner the history of the summer slam mm, good movie Yep. That was the original Barbenheimer, that movie. Oh, boy. I don't know how. What are you looking forward to that's coming out tomorrow, Pete? <laughs> I look, there's a lot of great stuff coming out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to, uh, forward to Guardians of the Galaxy number four. Got me a little choked up. Blade number one. And Vicious Cycle number two. Ooh, yeah. Vicious... Is it Vicious Circle? Circle. Sorry. Yes. I, I just, oh, my uh, God. That book is an absolute beggar. I am so excited to see that back. Um, definitely, if you haven't checked that out, it's about two dudes who are chasing each other through time. Uh, just like you is, and me. Just like you and me. <laughs> and it's Lee Bermejo on art, and it is like nothing you have ever read before. Uh, I'll give a couple of other shout-outs. Radiant Black number 25 is coming out. That's the pick, uh, kickoff of their big storyline that's been happening. Also... This is not much, but I enjoyed this nonetheless. Lock and Key 15th Anniversary oh, Only dude. Bad Edition, which is a reprint of the original issue, the first issue of Lock and Key, if you haven't read it in a while, with a bunch about of extra emotional. stuff that is Just, so good. If you've never read the book, pick those it up. Those two, the writer and artist, in my so, mind, have never melded in a more amazing way. Just revisiting that was just magical. And one last one I'll give a shout out that I was very curious about was Star Trek Day of Blood, number one. They've been building Day up of Blood! Day of Blood. They have been building up to this big event between the main Star Trek book cast and the Star Trek Defiant cast, where they're all fighting the Klingons and they're stuck in the middle. So I'm very curious to check out how that works out. And folks, that is it for this week's show. We want to thank Jeff Ryan for coming on. Don't forget to yes. check out Father-Son Issues, The Secret History of Spider-Man, as well as Your Worshipfulness. I wish I could say that word. Starring Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. Next week on the show, we're going to have uh, Trent Justin Vactor from the Vactorverse podcast. It's going to be here. We're on uh, his podcast. Cool. He's going to come on here. Great guy. Very excited to chat oh, with him. Yeah. And... Very exciting for my music fans in the audience. Scott Hoffman, the writer of Nostalgia, an awesome book from Comixology, I believe, is going to be here. But you may know him better as Baby Daddy from the Scissor Sisters, if you remember that band. One of my favorite bands. So I'm freaking out here. I'm very excited about that. Oh, it will be fun to see you nervous. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens. A couple of other things to plug. Sons of a Gun, our DC podcast is kind of running weekly, but we're trying to do some more frequent <laughs> news updates and required hey, readings. Hey, Justin's that. a busy man, okay? Yeah, he's Listen, a busy Justin, man. Marvel busy. Vision, our Marvel podcast, we are recapping Secret Invasion, and we've been doing some news update podcasts there. Riverdale After Dark, we're getting oh, towards boy. the end here. we got six oh, episodes left. It's the last season. Oh, my God. Ah! Uh, for the next six weeks, we're going to be recapping that until the bitter end. And then end. it's all over. Then what do we do uh, with our lives? We give up. That's it. I was saying there's That's no it? end in sight. There's we an end in sight, up? babe. There's an end in sight. 
Patreon.com slash comic book club to support this show and all the shows we do. You can subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram or TikTok, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Thanks, everybody. Take care of yourself out there. <laughs>